this is William Del Pilar, and this is Points on the Board. And as you can see, I've got a plethora of guests. But before we get to them, let me take care of some business here. You can find this podcast and our other podcasts on grumblingsmedia.com. Points on the Board is obviously our sports podcast. We have Fired Up and Free For All, two political podcasts. We have The Big Questions with Big John, which is a great interview series. And for you libertarians out there, you will love it. He's interviewed literally every potential libertarian presidential candidate. And they're nice hour-long interviews that also give you a little bit of fun insight into it. And from there... I think that's about it. No, sir, it's not. Red, White, and Rude, our twenty, our entertainment podcast. We are two politically incorrect boys talking shop about the entertainment industry. You can find us not only at grumblingsmedia.com, but on Rumble and YouTube under the profile handle Grumblings Media, as well as traditional podcast uh, places like Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. And with that, let me introduce my guests here tonight. Well, we are blessed to have our former co-host here. And he actually has lips in the mouth. The problem is he's got that big old, big old, this sex sailor will not go down that road. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but we have big John Georgiopoulos. He is the mm -hmm. founder of Sports Grumbling. He handles everything in the background technologically. And I specifically specifically asked him to be a guest because we have our friend of over 20 years, Greg Kellogg. If you play any form of fantasy sports and don't know this man, I don't want to call you morons, but you are ill-informed. Greg is a legend in the industry. The first Football. individual. Not any fantasy sports. Football. Football. He's been inducted into the Fantasy Sports Trade Association's Hall of Fame, now known as the Fantasy Sports Gaming Association, as well as the FSWA, Fantasy Sports Writers Association, of which Big John over there sat on the board for many years. And our last... He's not a damn guest. He's my co-host, Eddie Aparicio. Thunder What's up, guys? Thunder. I got to get something that rhymes. Thunder from El Salvador doesn't get it. Doesn't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> el, el, el matador de El Salvador. There no, you go. Okay, that's it. El matador de El Salvador. You know, oh, the, the, that's good. <laughs> Eddie's going to scare some people because there were hit squads in El Salvador decades ago. All right, guys. We got a great last week. Yeah. <laughs> we have a great show lined up. But before we get to that, Greg, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, a fantasy sports veteran, uh, many years. Tell us a little bit about that, Fanex, and also your travels as a retiree. Well, first of all, you two don't need to know it because you've known me. John and William have known me for 25 years. Uh, Fanex was the first fantasy experts league. It was uh, created by Joe Bryant, myself. Joe Bryant runs footballguys.com. And we brought in the, my original concept was all of the communication. There was no Twitter. Um, there was no Reddit. Everything was done on the rec dot sport dot football dot fantasy news group mm -hmm. and if you've never been on a news group trust me it wasn't friendly um, <laughs> there were there were people that were trolls people nowadays know what a troll is back then there were people just threw stones so my ideal 12 team league 
for professionals, people who are trying to make money in the hobby, for what I considered experts, but were not trying to make money in the hobby, and for rock throwers. Mark, uh, Mark Nolte's the one rock thrower that I remember. Um, myself was one of the, what I considered expert, but not trying to make money in the hobby. And then guys like Joe Bryant, and we had John Hansen and Steve Cohen had a team. We expanded it later, but it was preeminent. And as from my understanding still exists today, I retired in 2015 after the 2015 season and traveled. You wanted to know about that. I retired 2015 because I was going to retire from my real job in 2019. And so I wanted to find out whether I wanted to live in El Salvador or <laughs> Thailand or the Philippines. Now, I didn't visit El Salvador, but I did visit Belize and Ecuador, uh, Central and South America. I went to the Philippines and I went to Thailand. We settled in Thailand for 16 months. It's supposed to be 12, but COVID kind of delayed our return. So I've been to 34 countries in 46 states. I want to get all 50 before I go, even though the remaining four states are nothing that I really want to go to. <laughs> I just want to say that I've been there. Um, and I got back into playing in uh, 2021, 22, 2022. And then this, and I got into the Scott Fish Bowl then. And Scott's been around for a long time and runs the biggest charity league in the world. Uh, well over 2,000 teams, I think close to 3,000 teams. $30 a pop and the money goes to charity. Um, Fantasy Cares is the organization. Um, so this year, last year, I did first Superflex League. I got to say, I hate Superflex. <laughs> hate it. Well, it, it creates an artificial shortage of a position. That's the only eight team Superflex would be fine. 12 team, there's not enough quarterbacks for everybody to have three. That allows you to cover your bye weeks. So I don't really like it, but I did make the playoffs this year with Derek Carr and Danny Dimes as my quarterbacks. There you go. That's so impressive. Tell, well, you can tell I was scrambling at the end. No, I, made a passive, I made it past the first round, lost in the second round. So maybe better next year. My, my goal next year is to get Scott to let me participate in one of the live drafts. Oh, because okay. if you do fantasy football, live drafts are a lot of fun. They really right. are a lot Right, of fun. right. That's actually why I no longer play, because everybody wants to do internet. I'm like, I'd rather go give me a live draft in any league. Ironically, you mentioned two names there. Steve Cohen just made the news. For those of you who don't know who Steve Cohen is, he's actually one of the nicest guys, which I'm sure at least two of you can attest to. Uh, he helped get Sirius XM Sports or Sirius XM going, was a vice president. And uh, he's leaving there uh, at the turn of the year and pursuing new ventures. But he's been there for over 20 some odd years. And his ties go back to Jay Glazer and Adam Kaplan. Glazer being the pre one of the preeminent insiders in the league. And Adam being Adam. No, I'm kidding. Adam's also I'm a bit insane. of an insider, too. Yeah. Well, well, Sam kind of dropped out. Uh, yeah, yeah, but he kind of dropped out. So nobody's going to know who he is outside of Adam. Adam is Sam's. Uncle, if uncle, I'm not uncle. Yes, he is. Yes, yeah. he is. He's his uncle. And the other note and is Joe Bryant. No, William actually was a big member of KFFL in the day, and they ran the best uh, daily newswire newsfeed. Before there was Roto World, there was KFFL. 
Yeah, Roto World took the idea. Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> I, I, I owned it with uh, with uh, uh, Ryan Bonini. And uh, I, what I was going to say is Joe Bryant was already in the industry through Fanex, but we gave him his first big online break with a uh, weekly article uh, 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 called uh, something chat or something. I can't remember. He stuck well, with it for know, a few months and then moved on to go yeah. do football guys. Yeah, Joe Bryant had a brilliant uh, strategy back then. I remember he hit up all the fantasy sites. He was on Sports Grumblings too uh, for a while, and that he did that for one season. And then the next season, he started Football Guys. He he yeah. did a very good job of getting his name out there. He wrote for free for just about every site, and uh, yeah, so he 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 was pretty smart about that. Absolutely. He well, you know, it's funny. Free. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. Motto was free. Yeah. Right. Sorry, uh, no, no. What's funny is uh, uh, he had David Dodds and I had Ryan and we may have been the idea of the brains of marketing doing all that crap, but the true heart and soul, because without and John, as John is with Grumley's Media, without that tech, you can't do squat. And and <laughs> David Dodds was actually uh, uh, light years ahead of his peers uh, 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 doing fantasy football, that is. You but know, David came along later, William. When Joe started football, guys, the thing that made him different was the the communications, the chat right. rooms. Right, he, the, he the, did, the, the, he the forums. All the, he did all the forums, and that got okay. a huge crowd there, and that was free. He kept that free. The forums were free. Everything else was behind a paywall. When I started right. writing, I I made it clear that anybody that wanted to broad, publish what I wrote, they could, but I had two conditions. I didn't want to be paid, but they could not put my article under behind a paywall, and they had to be aware that it was going to be on multiple sites. And I think that's why I made the halls, because my writings were, on at the high point, 36 sites, three dozen sites. Um, so it, it got widespread because, frankly, I always thought guys like Bob Harris should have gone in way before me because I learned from Bob. I mean, right. I, I'd be on the phone with Bob. I learned from John. John and I'd be on the phone all the time talking. I wrote for John for, what, a year or two? Yeah, a couple of um, years there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. No, no, yeah, I get it. I, mean, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I was referring. Yeah, I was referring to once that site started getting going because they had the forums and that was the first jump. But some of the stuff they did technologically, you could recognize it was Dodds. You know, Do you remember where did. Dodds came from? Yeah, I used to own the URL after he let it go, MrFootball.com. All right, guys, with go. that <laughs> note, let's get going. Don't ever question my history of the industry, people. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got a good or, show. Or Acumen. Or Acumen. You bought that. That was a great URL. You bought it. You may not have done anything with it, but you owned it. That's important. Yeah, I did that with others, uh, including John Sports Grumbling, too. And I, and I actually own DailyFantasy.com, too. And we are going to work and incorporate that into Grumbling's media. We're just on the snail's pace right now. We're trying to take our roids to speed up, but we're just two old men now. That said, all right, uh, I've introduced everybody. I've directed everybody to where they can watch us. Now let's get into some topics. Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani. He signs the largest contract in human history when it comes to sports contracts. Greg, your first initial thoughts on, 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 on Shohei signing a $700 million 10-year contract. Babe Ruth was the highest paid player in his era. 
Babe Ruth not only played the outfield, a lot of people today don't realize he was also one of the better pitchers in the game and clearly the best home run hitter the game had ever seen. This kid, is, he may never pitch again because Tommy John issues, but he was a top-level pitcher, and he's, he's being used as a DH now. He deserves every penny he gets. Right, right. No, no, I agree. I know this. They wouldn't have paid him $700 million if they didn't think he was going to pitch again. Per reports, he's not going to pitch this upcoming year, and he's going to pitch uh, in 2025. I'm not sure if, if you're aware, Greg, or anybody else. Uh, I think John is. But the procedure for Tommy John surgery has become like the procedure for ACL. We're older, so our thoughts of those two injuries are devastating, you know, because of what they did, the the, the players in their prime that we saw play. But now it's it's not routine. It's still serious, but they're coming back as strong as ever. So that ulnar, uh, when they operate on it, it was purposely done for a long-term outlook so he could pitch again. Greg, Adrian you're dying to Peterson. say something. <laughs> Adrian Peterson, um, his 2,000-yard season came less than a year after his ACL surgery. Right. Yeah. So right. Right. If this kid can come back from Tommy John the way Adrian Peterson did, it's like I said, he's worth every penny. Exactly. So, so this contract shattered Mike Trout's previous MLB high mark, which was four hundred and twenty-six point five million. His deal, Eddie, surpasses Lionel Messi's six hundred and seventy-four million dollar deal with FC Barcelona, and that deal went from twenty seventeen to twenty twenty-one as the largest in sports history. So, when when we, Eddie, we we uh, for the audience and our guests here, we actually talked about this last week, and we were talking. Talking 500 million, 560. And I said, you know, I saw a report that that may be as high as 600 million. But I lightly said that because I'm like, man, that's that's way out there. Eddie, what are your initial thoughts on 700 million big ones? I mean, that's an astronomical number. And to put it in perspective, so a local team here in the Bay Area, uh, the Oakland Athletics, I learned recently that over the past 10 years, their total payroll for the entire team for the last 10 years was $670 million. That's for the entire team. And then you compare that to the one person getting $700 million. I mean, the guys, I mean, he deserves everything he can get. I mean, this guy is transcendent with a capital T as far as, as baseball goes. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this since the Babe Ruth days, and most of us haven't seen Babe Ruth play. Uh, I would say all of us haven't seen him play, only on, on video clips, right? So, you know, and this kid seems to be kind of setting the, a standard, too. I mean, the way he kind of deferred things, it's like he really is behind what he says, that he wants to win now, and he shows it by his actions. And I, I, I'm impressed with the kid on how he went about doing this. I agree, Eddie, and, and, and that's a great, uh, I forget the transition word there. Uh, John, as Eddie alluded to, he is uh, 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 deferring 97% of his annual salary throughout his 10 years. Uh, so in essence, he's going to get paid uh, 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 a small getting, percentage. Yeah, 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 he's getting paid. Listen, he's not the MVP. Whoever is business manager, he's the MVP because out of $700 million, he's only going to get paid $2 million a year for 10 years. And then the rest of it comes due uh, as a deferred uh, compensation at the age of 40. Now, the other part that makes this even more genius and makes my libertarian heart proud, California, (laughs) 
will not be able to get its claws on that $680 million that's deferred. Wow. Because there's a quirk in the California law that says if your deferred compensation occurs uh, more than 10 years out from when you agreed to that deferred compensation, it is not taxed by California. It is taxed by whatever state he has established residence in. So theoretically, he retires at 40, moves to Florida, moves to New Hampshire, moves to Texas where there's no state income tax. That 680 goes to him state income tax free. So not only did he sign the richest contract in sports history, he has shown me he's an all-star with a, a, in terms of taxes and finance. Uh, and the final point is uh, we don't count Messi's contract as the highest previous high in sports because I don't consider soccer a sport. So we, nice. we, we, can, we can just move on from that. It's just the highest. Uh, just give it to Octani, period. Hey, 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 hey now, hey now, us Latinos, uh, uh, we have to defend our soccer. At least we got something. What do you Greeks have, brother? <laughs> Eddie, Nothing. Eddie, you're Nothing. Good. Yeah, y'all were beating our basketball the mountains. <laughs> They've got the blue water in the mountains. Eddie, you're from California. Uh, yes. Years, years ago, I believe the uh, top state income tax rate in California was 12%. Okay, so put that in perspective. He's getting what 650 million, maybe more. Okay, that's not going to be taxed by California. Take 12 percent of 650 million. I swear to God, California is going to find a way to get that money. 72 million. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. They may actually what California is known for when stuff like this happens, there's usually an assembly or senate person who creates a law. That, so that can't happen in the future. And what's the term? Retrograded or make it so they can go back. Retroactive, yeah. Y yeah, you know, so uh, uh, I, I got a question regarding sports, though, specifically from this contract. What is what are your what are you gentlemen? What's your take on the fact that this is great for the libertarian market capitalistic belief? This is terrible for baseball as a whole. I'm not against this deal. Just hear this out. The problem with baseball that, that baseball fans have always complained about as well as owners, small market versus large market. This is a way for the large market to get over on everybody because they have the deep enough pockets to do this, whereas the small markets don't. And I think from that perspective, it is inherently uh, 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 wrong and it's a form of cheating. Now, that doesn't mean I'm against this deal. My belief on the deal has nothing to matter with what I'm commenting on. But what I believe I'm saying is a realistic issue that nobody's even brought up because they're so caught up in the numbers. But to me, it's like San Diego. Actually, we have an owner that can compete now, but he can't compete at that level. Uh, 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 you know, you have the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Baltimore Orioles, unless these teams are owned by billionaires willing to lose money because they want to prop up their small market, I do think there is some unfairness about this because they're they're playing. They do what basketball. I thought of basketball, Eddie. I'm like, that's baseball doing basketball salary cap uh, uh, tricks. Uh, uh, I can't talk right now. Eddie, let's go with you first for your take. On on. What exactly? Is this, is this inherently fair or unfair in terms okay. of big market teams have have a clear uh, advantage over the small markets because of the finances alone? And just, I mean, they're also not having to pay any of this up front. They can defer it. 
you know? Uh, uh, so right. It, it, you know, let's put it this way. Super teams like the Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, you know, I'm sure there's a few others that I'm missing. I mean, they have the TV contracts. They can afford to do this, which unfortunately is, is you know, something that's not, I, I believe, completely fair in order to you know, compete against these heavyweights. In my opinion, the Dodgers have no excuse now. They have an all-star team uh, roster right now. And if they can't win a championship right now, man, shame on them. There's something wrong. But I don't think it's fair. I think there should be uh, more uh, teams distributed as far as, like, you know, super talented teams to be able to do that. And I don't, I don't know if the league can go ahead and make some kind of change. I don't know. But I don't think it's, it's, it's fair that, you know, teams like the Yankees and Dodgers can just dominate the sport for, for years to come. Greg, your thought. thoughts? Eddie, the Yankees have been buying the best talent as long as I've been alive. I'm 67, <laughs> 68. Jesus, I just had a birthday. No, it, it's been going on forever. And there used to be no salary cap, so they just mm -hmm. spent the money. Will it ruin the sport? Did the Watson con contract destroy NFL? I mean, that was, what, wasn't that $750 million guaranteed? Five year, two fifty million a year or something. No, like it was two. That. It yeah, was right. two fifty total. No, it was two fifty. Oh. It was two hundred thirty total. But yeah, I get yeah. your point. Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't ruin football. The bottom line is that if there's a salary cap, then it's you spend a lot of money on one player, it's going to limit you in other positions. Yes, I know the baseball salary cap is not a fixed cap. It's it's weird. It's just hard to understand for anybody. I don't think it'll ruin it. Um, but I don't think one player, no matter how good he is, wins games in a team sport. You, the closest you have is basketball where there's only five players on the floor at a time. When you've got nine players and then you got to figure in two relievers, short and long reliever, um, that are going to play and a DH if you're in the American League, that's a, you know, you got to spread the money out or people aren't happy on your team. You can't keep your locker room happy. You're not going to win. And right. so, no, I don't, I don't think it's going to ruin the sport. Um, I think it's fiscally irresponsible, but I'm also a capitalist. I applaud the kid for getting the money. I really do. He's setting up his family forever. I think that's right. a good thing. Yeah, uh, it's not about ruining the sport as much as unfair advantages because obviously right. the Yankees have have had have bought players since well before we were born and it hasn't ruined the sport and money can't buy uh, a world championship any given year but statistically over time it shows that it can you know and well, with that Yankees John do, William the Yankees do William but also remember that um, there is a cap in place and there are owners that put that cap in place. And if the owners in the small markets don't think that it's fair, they shouldn't allow. George Steinbrenner ran the baseball world for years. He, he had undue influence on baseball and on the rules. Right? These small market teams, they've just got to they got to get together, band together, and through collective bargaining, change it. Right, right, right. The, uh, again, uh, uh, the point is in, uh, uh, in terms of uh, well, I, 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 I understand what you're saying actually. So, John, the reason I wanted to go to you last is uh, I would never challenge or argue a deal like this because of the capitalistic upbringing I've had. 
But as a, somebody who loves sports, I do look at the inherent fairness of it. And before you answer, uh, uh, just to let you know, Greg, that the NBA and MLB calling it a true salary cap is is using the term very, very loosely. It's built so you can cheat. So the owners I have know. built that in. Yeah, the thing is, it's always allowed large markets. So, John, uh, I'd like two separate answers if possible. One, your libertarian take, uh, as well as your take as a sports fan, as somebody who's worked in the sports world, as somebody who understands how the finances, contracts, you know, how it impacts teams mm -hmm. and creates this. So, so, so fire away, boss. So there's two pieces, and I think the first one may surprise you a little bit. It's not that I think it's fair or not. It's what the owners the, – see, the owners are a voluntary association, right? So, they, for example, the commissioner is an employee of the, of, of the owners, right? So they've set up a private club. How private it is, given how Congress gets involved in stuff, is a different matter. But uh, ostensibly, it's a private club. They have rules of membership. If you agree to their rules and you buy a franchise, you're supposed to abide by those rules. Clearly, right. clearly, they have no interest in limiting this type of, 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 of deal because it's better for them in the long run. Nobody wants Shohei Ohtani in Pittsburgh. Nobody wants Shohei Ohtani, uh, you know, in Cleveland, for example, right? Nobody wants to see that because it's not good for the overall game. And Ohtani needs to be in California, in Chicago, in New York. That's the way it is. It has to be a major market. So to that extent, is it fair? It's absolutely fair uh, because there's also inherent risk. Ask me. I'm a former New York Mets fan. We're still paying Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. <laughs> Every That's July right. 1st is like Bobby Bonilla Day because he got all his deferred compensation back then. People thought, oh, wow, it's a crazy deal. He's still getting paid. That guy sucked after he signed his contract. Never had a good year after that, right? So right. there's inherent risk, especially for someone like Ohtani. He's getting that money regardless. What if that Tommy John goes wrong? What if he'll right. never pitch again? Now you're paying $700 million for a guy who's a good hitter, for a DH, yeah. to, to Greg's point, right? So I'm, I'm a little less... Um, I'm a little less likely to jump on the it's not fair bandwagon because, listen, it might be more difficult, but you could still compete. The Marlins proved that a couple of years ago, right, when they won it all. Um, uh, the Oakland A's in the early 70s won uh, when uh, when you started off with, uh, uh, was it Billy Ball? Billy Ball, yep. You know, they won on a, on a tight budget as well. So is it impossible? No. Is it more difficult? Yes. And also, don't forget, they've got a little bit of communism to them as well. They all share in the, in the TV money to some extent. Bigger markets get a, you know, they get the opportunity with, to cut side deals and whatnot. But, but TV revenue is shared. So if you're an owner who's a businessman and really doesn't care about the sport, what do you do? Keep your expenses low. Keep that TV money rolling. And look, why, why do teams like the Pirates, the Marlins, if you go to the NFL, the Bengals, why are they notorious, known as notorious cheapskates? Because they're run by businessmen. As long as they turn a profit, what, there's no incentive for them to change, right? You if, know, the fans, right. if the fans keep buying the tickets, if the TV ratings are there, why would you change? You're, you're, you're running your business at a profit, right? So why would you change? So is it fair? Yes. Um, does it keep competitive balance? I think it does. Like to Greg's point, all the Yankees have run baseball f from their pocketbook 
Babe Ruth. We mentioned Babe Ruth before. How did he end up in New York? Boston didn't want to pay his salary demands, so they traded him for a bag of baseballs, I think, and a new toaster to the Yankees, right? Because they, you know, that was all there was to it. They they couldn't afford him. So yeah, libertarian yeah. or not, I think it's fine. So here's a very important point that probably none of you notice. I'm talking from the fans' perspective. We are also inherently tied to the business side. We can't generate an answer without putting the business side in because that's how interweaved uh, both of them are. And the reason I bring that up, because to a pure fan, it's next to impossible to get them to understand that's part of the business. Ah! You know, because, for example, the fans in, in in the small markets don't care uh, for the reasons that, that that John gave about why they wanted uh, uh, wanted him in a large market. And an even easier example is Shaq. There was public tampering. Everybody knew it was the worst kept secret in the NBA. The, the Lakers tampered with Shaq while he was still a member of the Orlando Magic. But that's how important it was for them to get Shaq to uh, uh a larger market. Uh, a couple of notes here. Uh, Otani makes at least 45 million annually through endorsement. So he's not going to be hurting. He'll get 2 million a year from the Dodgers for the next 10 years. So this man, I don't know why I was thinking. I just thought, man, this job Turkey is going to get almost 50 million a year. So, and God he's going to get more. He's going to get more because it's going to be more endorsements from this. Oh, you're so right. he's exactly. going to get even more. Exactly. And not to mention how much bigger he becomes in Japan, because you know he probably has his fan base, their airing games. And, you know, I think why you're not finding many naysayers of this deal, uh, 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 and this is probably more of a political, but more, everybody's loving this deal because of him. And what I try to explain to people, it's the power of likability. When you see a guy you like, you get along with, and 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 that's what I'm saying, probably better for political. Uh, but what – but I don't – I think it, it – it, that goes a long way because when Michael Jordan got his big, massive, large, super large contract, remember this of 32 million or like 35 million for one single year at the time, it was like the biggest one year deal. Uh, I don't, there was nobody who criticized it. Uh, and, and, and Greg, to your point of 700 million, it, it, like you said, it, it's what the market will bear. But I think more importantly, Eddie, what we talked about last week, uh, I want to get these two guys' thoughts on that before we, we move on. But, I believe this can open the door to high school kids because there's two tracks to the to, to the show, and that is through the college ranks, which is four years more, or through the minors, which Eddie, that's probably what another four to six years more before they, they even get considered for the show. But the point being, I think at the high school, there's Eddie brought it up at high school. Everybody who was a star on a baseball team, they were two way players if they were the pitcher. They hit and they pitch, and then they play the outfield. I think you may get players telling uh, universities or even their teams, no, I will pitch and do whatever other. Uh, are Eddie and I wrong with that? Or I don't want to put words in Eddie's mouth, but that's what I thought uh, when Eddie and I talked about it. Uh, Greg, your thoughts then, John, and then we'll move on. I think there are very few players that are athletic enough to play multiple positions at the top level. i tell you what I'm interested in. He's Japanese. Is he a Japanese citizen? If he gets endorsements in, Jap in Japan, does he have to pay American taxes on that money? I don't think he does, but I don't know. I, pro athletes pay taxes in the locality where they play the game. If, I can talk about football. I can't really. 
every week a football's player check pays state taxes for where that game was played. Now, I'm assuming baseball's the same way because states like to get their money. But no, you're not going to have a whole bunch of uh, multi-positional players. You notice hitter, uh, pitchers always used to be the worst hitters in baseball. The, you'd, you'd be amazed when you'd get a pitcher that could hit 250 or a pitcher that could hit the occasional home run. Well, the reason for that is they spent all their time practicing pitching, not practicing hitting. You're, you're good at what you practice. And so this guy's just a freak athlete. He's a Bo Jackson. He's a guy yeah. that can do it all. Uh, I agree yeah, with that. I'm sorry, Eddie, go ahead. Yeah. No, what I was going to interject here, Greg, is that I think that's part of the system as well, is that, you know, teams want specialists, especially at the high school level. They want, you know, if a guy's a good pitcher and they can hit, they're going to look at which one he does better, and they're going to have him focus on that, not necessarily both. I was a victim of that myself. I actually played both positions. I was an outfielder and a pitcher, and I was a really good pitcher, and I was a decent hitter, so they made me focus on pitching because I was a slightly better pitcher than, than hitting. But if I were to practice hitting more, I think I could refine that even more. But I think that's what's happened in the system in high school is that they, they want specialists. And that's why you see yeah. a lot of these pitchers back in the day really couldn't hit much because they didn't practice hitting as much. I think it's more prevalent at the upper levels of high school and at college than it is. I played small school high school. We, we played both ways. I, in football, I played defensive end and wide receiver, believe it, and tight end. Um, because we didn't have that many kids on the team. Um, I wasn't a great pitcher, but I was decent. I was wild, so I scared people. So my <laughs> fastball was very effective because I never knew where it was going. But bottom line is I think that the higher you go in sport, the better you have to be at the position you're doing. There are some truly gifted athletes that just seem to excel at whatever they do. But very right. few people – at the major league level, can excel. At, I mean, Babe Ruth was a great hitter. Everybody knows him, 60 home runs. They Most people don't know he pitched and that he was very effective as a pitcher. But most you ask most baseball fans today about Babe Ruth, all they talk about is 60 home runs. A lot of them can't even tell you Roger Maris broke that record because historically right. fans just aren't that knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, John, uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, not the fans being not knowledgeable, but <laughs> the, the two way. Well, and real quick, though, John, William. Yeah, but they're real quick, Eddie. They're just not yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I, I kind of agree with Eddie a bit. And John, because of my background, you probably get why when when I hear all this talk two way uh, uh, being specialized, my take is simple. It's just an obstacle. There's 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 more than enough hours in a day for a person to practice two two way, and they have. And, and when I was in high school, that star player who was gifted, they played more than one position. The, even at the maybe today at the high school level, but Eddie can probably attest to this too. Uh, and, and our when we were kids, no, if you were good here, good there, you played there and there. Those high school coaches didn't give a rat's tail if they were trying to get their their local uh, city championship. And I'm sorry, uh, uh, John, uh, your take. Um, no, I tend to agree with Greg. I mean, I understand what all of you are saying, and there's some merit to everything you're saying. But the truth of the matter is, when you're a pitcher, and, and much like Eddie, I used to pitch in high school too. Believe me, I wasn't playing the outfield. I wasn't trying to my arm out at third or short. 
like every so often they put me at first base for two reasons. I can't run. So I had to be somewhere where I couldn't move that much. But then the other thing is that when you're pitching, you're constant, like, first of all, there's more of a strain on your arm. So there's, there's a greater chance for injury as, as we've seen with Ohtani already. So for you to be able to play every day, uh, say if you did go both ways and then pitch every fourth day or every fifth day, that's an incredible strain on your arm, especially if you're any good as a pitcher. So you're increasing the odds of injury. So most, and listen, a good pitcher, it's always the most valuable commodity on your team. I don't care if you've got Barry Bonds, Babe, whatever, it doesn't matter. A good pitcher is the most valuable commodity on your team. You are not going to risk that. Again, Akhtani, that's why he deserves every penny he gets. He is, he's a unicorn. You're not going to find too many like him. Uh, talking about old-time pitchers, Tom Seaver used to hit something like 225, and he was considered like, oh, my God, he's a great hitter. Uh, George Brett's brother, a lot of people don't realize, George Brett, the last guy to hit, what was it, 390? Um, his older brother, Ken Brett, was a pitcher. And people forget, he was like a 300 hitter almost as a pitcher. Uh, it's just that he could only do it one game at a time, right? Those yep. are very rare occasions, very rare occasions. So I think I don't I don't see like a whole bunch of two way people making it even to the college level. Well, um, it, I mean, I'm not talking a lot. I'm talking about those special athletes that, that don't get the opportunity. You're going to start. And, and, and today's and generations, those parents are really involved, too. OK, we're going to move mm -hmm. on. But the, but the one thing we did not talk about that I'm sure we can all acknowledge is. The Dodgers are going to make some of this money back and not just in rings. The the ticket sales, the the jersey sales, all that. I actually tried to get tickets to his last L.A. game before he was shut down, and it was sold out. And so I'm glad he's a Dodger because I will actually go see him because not since Babe, Babe Ruth, people, not since Babe Ruth. All right. Mm -hmm. Now we come to El Matador del Salvador, the National <laughs> Basketball Association. Eddie. This is your, your this is your your section here. I fell in love with the in season tournament in terms from a business perspective. Uh, first of all, what are your thoughts on the Lakers taking it all? And real quick, Eddie, explain what it is before you talk about it, the in season tournament. Yeah, what it is, it was a uh, tournament that the NBA uh, set up based on the schedule, and they they grouped teams based on records from last year so that it essentially wouldn't have this all really good teams in one division. Yeah. But they actually split it up into six different uh, uh, groups of five teams, and they essentially uh, created many divisions, if you will. And the best from those divisions would go out to the next knockout round and then compete for the championship. And essentially what it does is it adds it one additional game uh, for a team. So the Lakers, um, that, you know, the Lakers played – one additional game or we'll play one additional game as well as the Indiana Pacers, you know, at the end of the season, they'll, they'll, they'll play 83 games versus 82. But uh, I think it was as a resounding success. This uh, in-season tournament was, was very well received. Viewership was up, which is what the NBA wanted. They, the viewership was up, you know, up, I think like 44% compared to the same time period last year. So people were watching this thing when there's, you know, when, when there's competition and you can see that the teams care, and that was one thing that we were kind of concerned about, would the team, would the players care? You know, because really it's just money, right? It's not that much money, but it's some money, right? And these guys get paid millions of dollars. And actually at the, the, the very last game, the, the Lakers, each, each player received $500,000. And then the losing team, the Indiana Pacers received $200,000 per player. Now, for someone like LeBron, who's a billion dollar billionaire, I mean, that's nothing. But for guys who are like, you know, rookies, 
they have, their contracts are not that large. It means something to them. So I think some of these vets were playing pretty hard for some of these guys to get paid, in my opinion. Plus, the, you know, competition. It, you know, these guys want to compete. If you put some prize out there and for these guys who are at the elite athletes, they're going to want to compete. They're going to want to win, right? And that's what they do. Right. So I, I really, really, I, I thought this was a very good uh, turnout. And I think they're going to make some changes uh, to the to the tournament yeah. you know, moving forward. You know, it's uh, it's way too early, I would assume, in the season. But w- the the players Eddie's talking about it that would have loved the uh, the winnings like that. The first thing I thought of is that journeyman ten day contract guy. Could you imagine being that lucky right. to get that contract during the tournament? Those are the guys they just float around. Like it's usually when we were kids, it was always a seven footer, always on that ten day uh, to put a big body. But okay, so. Uh, you know, I, I try to be cute and sound intelligent with the question, can this affect regular season play, yada, yada. That's too speculative. But at the end of the day, what is a concern are injuries. So everybody come out of this safe. No major injuries? In the no, major in, no major injuries. If anything, it is just normal, normal everyday wear and tear that a player would have, like a small little ankle twist, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a chest contusion or whatever, right, from screening, <laughs> but nothing major. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, you know, this, I think this type of a tournament could definitely could definitely propel some teams to do well in in the early part of the season. I mean, the Lakers were kind of waffling as a as a five hundred team prior to this tournament, and then they went undefeated. They went seven and zero, and I think this has propelled them. This was very important to LeBron James. It was very apparent, and uh, he definitely made the team play harder because he made made it a very apparent that it's this is important for him. So he wanted the team to rally around it because they want to be the first in-season tournament winner, right? And this also adds to LeBron's, you know, legacy as well as his resume. So um, but so I, I think this could propel teams like the Lakers as well as the Indiana Pacers because the Indiana Pacers have, have shown that they're a very dangerous team. So, um, you know, they took out, you know, the Boston Celtics, you know, uh, they also took out the Milwaukee Bucks. Those are two teams that are elite in the East, and they took them out. So this could propel some teams to do better moving forward. No, I agree. uh, I was going to say, Eddie, how do you – now, just for the the folks that aren't still 100% familiar with the tournament, like it – how do how do the how does it how do these tournament win and losses affect their regular season record towards towards the regular playoffs? Are they included or are they excluded? No, they're included. So all, all these games count towards the regular season uh, standings. Uh, they so they, they count is, as wins. This is nothing but a scheduling gimmick and Correct. a marketing idea, and I see no problem with it because they play these games. Anyway, they just wouldn't call it a tournament, and they probably wouldn't schedule it the way a tournament is where you advance based on winning. So as long as you're basically – William said you get up to one extra game. Um, One extra game. That's it. Right. So Get rid of the all-star game, which doesn't mean anything to anybody except the fans because the players don't take it seriously. They don't. It's, there's no defense in the All-Star game. Hadn't been for decades. It's just run and shoot, run and shoot, run and shoot. And that's fine. And the fans get to see the superstars, which is nice. Uh, I like the NFL All-Star game because they have all these events around it. I'm not sure the NBA does that. They make well, the, sl- the slam dunk it. contest and everything. So, yeah, they have the yeah, three-point contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three-point yeah. contest, yeah. 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 But it's but, uh, – it's, uh, 
I was going to say, it has almost like a European stink to it, this in-season tournament. You know what I mean? It's got I like, like it. it's, it's got that FIBA, FIFA type of thing. It has that yeah. sort of like mini relegation sort of feel. I know they're not relegated to anybody, but it seems like maybe the NBA was watching Ted Lasso or something over the, during the <laughs> off season or something. And they're trying to, they're trying to get cute, but I'm, I'm messing well, around, of course. It's, well, it's, it's a marketing gimmick. Yeah. The, well, they, they had was, to have it. They, the they had to have did it. adopt the Euro step, so they're already using European rules anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, ratings have been trending downward slowly for uh, basketball. Nothing major, but this was a brilliant move. And, and before Marketing. we leave the subject, what's your all's take? So baseball was once America's sport. You know, uh, about 15 years ago, there were rumblings wow, basketball is going to be the world sport because, you know, all these countries have adopted it. Uh, here, you're looking at about 2 million people watching big events in basketball uh, on a bad football day. I mean, it, it's three times. As, I mean, it, we're talking 12, 16 million. Uh, and I'm not denigrating it because baseball, I, I wanted to bring this up uh, for the baseball, you know, 700 million and they got these type of ratings, but it's also basketball. So I don't comprehend how it works except for the TV contracts. And uh, that those are in the billions, but they're predicting that this could be the last cycle of big TV contracts and the ones after that is going to create a major shakeup because, you know, it's just not the audience it once was. But Eddie, what do you think of, of baseball? I'm sorry, baseball, basketball's long-term future from that business perspective. Uh, in a sense, do you think they can keep awarding these big contracts? Uh, 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 I mean, if the TV contracts come down, I mean, you're the big fan. Uh, I just don't see how those numbers make it. I think it'll all work out. I just have no clue how they will make it work out. So, Eddie, if you can answer to anybody else, toss your two cents. And then, Eddie, I, I don't want to shut you out. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about the tournament if you have anything else to say on it. But uh, what do you think? About the tournament or, or about uh, my thoughts about the longevity of the NBA's the popularity? Longevity, exactly. The, the longevity of it based off how much money is going into it and the fact that these numbers uh, uh, are, aren't dwindling. They're just slowly over time trending down. Well, they do things like this, you know, something like this where it gets viewership up, you know, it gets more, you know, TV contracts increasing because of more viewership. So things like this. I think uh, helped. So, uh, you know, bravo to them to figure something out to, to, you know, uh, outpace this downward trend. I think they're trying to do something to gain some of that back. And I think the NBA, in my opinion, is that it's all time high as far as popularity. It's a world sport right now. You're getting the best of the best of the world coming over into the NBA. The best of the Europeans are coming over here. The best of the, the Africans, the best of the Greeks, the, you know, they're all over that. They're, 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 they're coming here and, and it's just gaining, you're getting a better product. And I think that right now, I think it's going to increase in popularity. Now, it just remains to be seen if these contra TV contracts, if they continue to dwindle, or with something like this with the in-season tournament, does that help bring it back up to where it was? We shall see. I think something like this could help, though. I think, I think that was part of the process. It's funny you say we have imported everything, and I was doing a business uh, a research uh, task with some of you guys know him, Rudy Menendez uh, from old fanball days, and in studying and we were going deep, we were going deep into the weeds and I did not realize the power that basketball has in China and of all places, 
Greece, the, the, the uber popularity. And uh, no, Eddie, you're right. I agree with you. They'll make it work out. The numbers may come down. Uh, uh, that's just how life is because this streaming battle is destroying companies once powerful uh, are literally hanging for life. Uh, okay. So Eddie, before we, we leave it, any other tidbits that, that we should know about? Uh, well, here's one. So I saw some complaints about the court designs. Uh, uh, what were your thoughts on the court designs? For if, Tell the audience uh, uh, an example of one of them if you can. Yeah, so what they did, the NBA, to, to, to market this in-season tournament is they actually played the games every Tuesdays and Fridays, and they definitely made the basketball court into a spectacle. Essentially, mm -hmm. they came up with a design for each individual team, and sometimes these designs were over the top as far as coloring scheme, and it made it hard for some players to even see, you know, three-point line, you know, the, the 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 key, you know, where's the key, where's not the key, the key being where, you know, the three-second, you know, uh, uh, if yeah. someone's in the key too long, they get a three-second call on them. So it was very you know, I think it was, it definitely wasn't easy on the eyes. I think it's something that they're, they're going to, they're going to address. In my opinion, when's the last time you saw three seconds called on an NBA play? It still happens, like, but it's, yeah, it's but like it's five seconds like now. Palming, it's like palming <laughs> the ball. I mean, there are players that palm the ball every time they hold it. Every time no, they dribble, no, they're, right. putting, they're palming the ball. Uh, the NBA okay. marketing is marketing. It will never be the most popular sport in America or the world. It's it may be the most played sport. It may be Philippines has a professional league, and those guys are tiny. They're William size, and they're playing <laughs> professional basketball. Hey, hey, hey! I'm I mean, pretty tall for a Panamanian. <laughs> you're, you're pretty tall for a Filipina too, but yeah, no. Yeah. My my point being is football in Europe. It's football. But football, whether world football or American football, is far and away the most popular sport. Baseball hasn't been America's sport for years. And, and I'll take and, and a Greg, step further. Michigan, 110,000 plus people to every home game. Right. Every, right. And, and that's Michigan in the winter. Well, let, well, let's use that baseball segue to a quick lightning round. I don't want to leave this topic yet. And, Eddie, let these two answer, then I want to go to you last uh, to add your own dimension sure. if you want to add to it. Okay. Should other leagues do this? Should the MLB and NHL, because they're long seasons too, uh, adopt something like this? Uh, Greg? I think it's a great idea. Marketing, I got no problem with marketing. And if it makes it fun for the fans – and the teams and sport, if there's something they're gaining from an in-season tournament for the players and the coaches, hopefully, yeah, every every sport should do it. You're not yeah. adding to the length of the season, so you're not putting the players at risk. Do it. All right, all right. Uh, John, your thoughts? I think you do it until a, a superstar gets hurt. And then when the superstar gets hurt, everybody starts complaining about what an idiotic idea it was to have extracurricular games and extracurricular tournaments. Baseball. Look, when they uh, went to the world championship of baseball, right? What happened? The closer for the Mets uh, twists his knee celebrating a save. He's out for yeah. the year. All of a sudden, it's a stupid idea. Nobody's going <laughs> to send their best players to, the, to that. Um, uh, the NFL, you'll never see that because, uh, A, the players' union is too strong. B, 
it's it's again the more games you play the more you get injury increase you're not going to see that in the nfl unless it's a collective bargaining agreement and it's and it's specifically within very limited uh context sports that need it like hockey we forget about hockey in this country uh what does hockey do they have that old-time classic where they play outdoors you know on an outdoor ring once a year twice a year that's added to the to the ratings right so you'll see stuff like that from the nhl from the nba uh maybe from mlb but mlb again 162 game seasons very tricky to add more games to that so so the answer simple the leagues that need the revenue boost will do it the ones that don't if you're not talking about adding games john you're yeah. talking about scheduling. It's a scheduling. No, no, no. Okay, well, okay, guys. It, guys, guys, guys I got to pull this back in. I got to pull this back in. Uh, <laughs> real quick, uh, uh, the beginning of the end for the NFL came with the Pro Bowl where the 49ers tight end broke his ankle. I, I want to say Brett Clark or so, but I can't remember. That was Red when, Jones? They started, uh, well, that was oh, when yeah, they started actively talking. talking. Pro Bowl is an extra game, Okay. You're talking about an in-season tournament, which is why. Oh no, 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 no! I'm just talking about what John. I'm talking about John's point of everything's fun until somebody gets hurt. Regardless, I, uh, I just agree. Extra but John events. was talk. John was talking specifically about adding games, and yeah. I'm saying if it's just a scheduling quirk, where you're just scheduling these teams, but they're still playing the same number of games and they still count towards a regular season, I don't see a problem with it. I agree, John. The minute somebody yeah. gets hurt, they're going to complain. But they do that anyway. I mean, look at right. the NFL today. People are complaining about all the injuries today, and the quarterbacks have never been more protected in this game than they are right now. But how many – what, we have three quarterbacks go out for the season last week? Mm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're always going to have injuries. It's part of it. Now, if you're talking about adding games to do a midseason tournament, then I'm against it. Yeah, yeah, but that'll never happen. That will never happen. I mean, that's that's just a. I, I think one of your wires short circuits. They, they would never do that. Not a, yeah, <laughs> but that's because the of the exception. No, that's the exception to two teams, not to the league, and it's to make it work. It's not like, hey, let's add here thirty more games here. You know, all right, yeah. uh, uh, Eddie, uh, uh, what would you change moving forward? And then we are going to leave this topic and head on to something we all know about football. What would I change for the in-season tournament? So the the two the, the, the two glaring ones are definitely the basketball courts. I don't think you need that all that color. <laughs> I think you can, I think you just use that 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 stripe that they developed in the, in the in the middle of the entire floor that kind of predominantly showed it was an in-season tournament tournament, and then have like the logo of each team with the cup of that NBA cup, which, which is what they're they're thinking about renaming it, but that's what they're calling the NBA Cup, the trophy, you know, for the team that wins it. So that, that would be one change. And then there was another one that there was there was a lot of um, complaints about it. Again, people complain just to complain, but I think this one's valid. You, they had a, a point differential as a tiebreaker in in the uh, in the little mini groups, and you saw teams run up scores on other teams, which oh, didn't right. look good. It wasn't it wasn't a good look. And you know, there's a lot of people that, that just thought that that that, that 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 was not a good look. So I think they're going to figure that figure some other way of doing it. And the one thing you know, they're talking about what are some things that you know teams could actually benefit or win, you know, from winning this. Like you know, right now they're only giving money to the to each of the coaches and the players for the winning and the losing team in the championship game. But they're also talking about maybe what, what does the team get? You know, there's been ideas been thrown out. And the best idea that I that I thought would be the best one 
is that the team who wins it, in this case, the LA, LA Lakers, they would get an automatic tie break um, uh, advantage if they were to compete in either the in-season, uh, the in-play tournament, or excuse me, not the in-play tournament, the, yeah, the in-play uh, for the uh, for the for the playoffs, or you know, in the playoff seedings, they get an automatic tiebreaker advantage for the next, you know, next to the to the team that's next closest right. to them in the standings. That would be all a right. good one, I think. No, I get it, and I and and, and I, I would agree with all that. Hey, if it helps make sports more popular, you know, I'm all for it. You know, so with that. Let us move on. Uh, I'm going to do this uh, uh, in my notes. I have uh, we're going to talk the MVP race and we're going to talk some fantasy football. I want to start with fantasy football because I think the MVP race will be a fun topic. Uh, first of all, Eddie and Greg, we are at the end of the season. If there's any fantasy waiver wires going uh, 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 before the playoffs start, what would your strategy be uh, in, in for these owners, for myself, I would tell them, make sure you have some depth, you know, in case of a freak injury, because you can't do trades afterwards or, or pick up free agency. Uh, Greg, what would your take, uh, what your words of wisdom be to a young owner? I treat it like the regular season. Every week you should improve your roster. And, you know, you got a lot of quarterback injuries, and that's every year. So make sure you got two good quarterbacks that are healthy going forward. You got guys like Joe Flacco that's still available in a lot of leagues and he's showing, I mean, he's only played two games, but he's finished, I think 13th and 10th in the two games he's played. And one of them he played without Amari Cooper, his best receiver. So he's going to get better as you go. You've got other guys. I mean, this Browning kid, I never expected what he did. In fact, I told people to bench chase uh, Jamar Chase that week because Browning is a quarterback. Who knew? Um, I, I was talking to you on the phone about the new kid in San Diego. Uh, I looked at what he did when he came in. He looked decent. He didn't turn the ball over. What we expect going forward, I don't know. You know, you you got to make evaluations. Now, your point about the, uh, you know, adding depth. If you got Derrick Henry, you should have Ty, uh, Ty J Spears. If you've got Tony Pollard, you should have Dowdle. And Dowdle is probably available. Ty J is probably not in your gotcha. So especially positions that get injured, you and if you've got any players that are questionable, look at their backups. Like I went out and got Noah Brown last week, and now Nico's out and Tank's out. And CJ may be out too, so it may not have done very right. good. But, but uh, you know, I got Noah Brown because gotcha. – yeah, no, it, it makes out. sense. It, perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, what about you, uh, Eddie? You're, uh, did you make the playoffs, first of all, in your in your leagues? I did. I made it in all three. I'm in three leagues, and I made the playoffs in every one of them. So how are you going to be preparing uh, in terms of trying to help somebody out? I mean, Greg said it right. I mean, that, he said it best. I mean, you definitely always want to look at depth for your team. You know, you definitely want to target, you know, those positions that have injuries, and you definitely want to be able to – you know, complement that team with the with the, the backup of that injured team, uh, injured player on that on that on that roster. So, you know, I, I think what what Greg said is it, it covers exactly what I would have said as well. And what about you, Big John? I was just listening to the good advice because I I actually snuck into the Fanex playoffs this year. Uh, uh, Greg will love this. I think it was the third tiebreaker. Uh, among four teams, and I snuck in because my place kicker last week 
put across like 22 points, the kicker for uh, Aubrey for the Cowboys. So I got lucky. Um, but uh, like I would say the same thing. Um, also, keep in mind that when you look at the waiver wire, now's the time of year where you get hot streaks and people who are coming in to replace injured players, as you guys mentioned. So typically I'll look at the last three to four games a player has played. If you play in full IDP leagues, um, so where you have individual defensive players, look at those two. Those could be the difference. A lot of people put a lot of focus on the offensive skill positions. Look at linebackers. Look at defensive ends. Like uh, one kid I got targeted this week, I hope nobody from my league is listening, uh, is uh, Ivan Pace up in Minnesota. He's been on fire the last three weeks when he came in for Jordan Hicks. It took him a game to, you know, get his bearings. Now he's a tackling machine. He had a, He's had a sack in each of the last two games. So I'm looking at guys like that. Uh, I'm also looking at the schedule the last two weeks. Who's likely to play? Make sure you, like, even if you have a superstar, what if they get sit? What if they sit down because their team has already clinched a spot, right? You have to keep that in mind as well. Also, some leagues run longer. So uh, the playoffs start in Fanix, for example, in my college league that's been going for 25 years, we play the regular season right up to week 16. And then the playoffs are week 17 and 18. So that whole, th yeah. So that whole thing of like a guy who's brought you to the dance, you may have to bench him the la like week 18 because he's taking the week off. Right. So there's always that, I mean, uh, fantasy football has become a lot more varied. So I think uh, the analysis has to be a lot deeper now. So everything you guys said is absolutely true. But you know, I would say, look at trends. Look at the last four weeks because there's people injured. There's people tired. There's people who've run out of luck. Things tend to regress to the normal at this time of year. So keep that in mind. And this is also when rookies start to pick up, right? So, you know, because if, if they've been riding the bench up until now or cut down the number of snaps, they may find their way into the lineup to, to spell a veteran or two. So keep an eye out for all that. Yeah, that that's what I was going to say. All year. This is when they hit the wall. That's if the opposite case, yes. Right, but you're, you're right. absolutely right. Yeah, if they've been playing all year, now's when they hit the wall. You're absolutely right. You know, out of all that information, 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 uh, I thought, uh, and John beat me to it, because the only thing I was going to contribute and the only thing I ever tell people is look at the trends. Too many people use that. You know, he's averaging this uh, uh, so far this season. I'm like, well, you know, actually, he's averaging this for real. And Eddie can tell you when we were discussing our uh, the NFL power rankings, I was frustrated getting the year sets, and I found one site. And I know people can get sick of it who aren't into the data like that. But the people who love data love those those trends. You know, uh, uh, for example, the 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 the. the uh, the, not the Browns. Yeah, the Browns in their elite rush defense, ranked number one for the season, is ranked like number 14 or 15th or like 18th, 20th over the last three, four games. Uh, and I pride myself on because I think that's what creates winners. You you grab that one player that somebody else is a week or two late on because you were smart enough. Any final comments on the fantasy? Actually, from the group, if there's waiver wires going, uh, give me just one player you would target that you think is on that role. If there are none, that's okay too because it's a very diverse now in the sense of uh, how people will split the, the jobs. Greg. Well, I, I mentioned that I would go out and get Flacco immediately or Noah Brown, but I did want to add one thing about what you were saying. You guys are talking trends. I agree with you. You should tell your audience what website they can go to slice the stats up to a four-week or a three-week 
thing to pull it in to see what players are hot over the last four weeks. Uh, right, because... Greg, we can't do that. We're in sponsor talks right now. No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if you've got it on your website, you can do it. Oh, no. It's a two-man show. You know okay, what I Eddie. mean, though. Yeah, 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 I do. Eddie, if you could recommend one player, again, if there's none you think of that are going to make – that can possibly make a difference in the playoffs. Uh, but if you know one, let us know. I'll give you two. So from the same team, and Greg already brought his name up um, after he was talking about uh, Joe Flacco, and that's Jake Browning. Jake Browning, the kill quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, we all thought, man, after after uh, Joe Burrow, you know, got hurt, this team was done. But they have a bunch of playmakers on that team. Yeah. And, you know, Jake Browning has shown that he can get the ball to the playmakers. Now, you know, Chase, uh, Jamar Chase, unfortunately, hasn't been performing great with uh, Jake Browning. He's distributing the ball because I have Jamar Chase in one of my leagues as well as Jake <laughs> Browning. Um, but the other guy that I would target on the same team is Chase Brown. You know, we were talking mm -hmm. about some of these players that hit the wall, you know, some of these vets like Joe Mixon. You know, he's pretty much in every down back for the most part. Uh, someone like a Chase Brown who's been getting the chance in the last few weeks. And that was one of the waiver wire pickups I noted last week, uh, William, that uh, Chase Brown is somebody that you want to target, and he's been playing well. So uh, those are the two guys that I would target on the same team. Gotcha. No, I, I agree. I was waiting for somebody to mention Browning. You know, when I saw him play that night, I was rooting for their team. I can't remember who it was. And I was, and because I was rooting for, for them, for him, them, I looked at, at Browning and I was like, I saw it. You, when you, if you know football, you saw it, but I kept purposely ignoring it because I wanted the Jaguars. I think it was the Jaguars to come back and win. John, what about you? What player would you sit there and, and, and tell? It's funny. You guys named them all because Chase Brown was the one I was going, okay, no one's going to mention Chase Brown. But um, it, it just in case, the two guys, I see two guys on offense. Uh, one is Isaiah Likely on the Ravens. If you haven't picked him up yet, pick him up. The it, For the Ravens, it's whoever's the tight end, the, the starting tight end is going to be targeted. Uh, and I think he put up a good game last week, four for 70, one touchdown. Uh, I think that's about right. Um, and, and you know, uh, that Lamar Jackson's going to find him near the end zone. He's he's not uh, Mark Andrews, but then again, very few people are. The second one is Odell Beckham. If if you've uh, if you don't have if he's available in your league, grab him because uh, both Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham, but but Flowers is pretty much owned in the ninety percent range. I think Beckham may, might be available in some leagues grab him he seems to be working that groove a little bit more with jackson as well so i think that that whole ravens offense is being forced to be a little bit more uh dynamic uh so those two guys and like i mentioned earlier if you're in an idp league go grab uh ivan pace jr he's an undrafted uh free agent uh for the vikings and like i said i think he could if you're in an idp league i i think he could win you a playoff game or two uh, he's been averaging close to 17, 18 standard IDP points a game, which is like LB1 drafted early type of production out of a linebacker. So I would, I would say go grab him. Gotcha. Is there you go. Is he a dual position player? No, he, he was, he's always been a linebacker, but uh, Jordan Hicks got a very serious injury. One of those leg compartment injuries. Uh, he mm -hmm. almost died before they could get him to the hospital uh, three weeks ago. Uh, so uh, he's uh, and they think he'll be back if the Vikings are in the playoffs. So they slid pace to that middle linebacker role. So now he's in on every play. He's racking up tackles and he's he's got some uh, 
athleticism to him. So he's getting sacks. He's defending passes. He's a good young player. Uh, so he's and if you're in the dynasty league IDP, consider putting him on your roster. I think he's he's going to be something. There you go. And, uh, you know, I do have a great story at the FSTA, the body now that kind of run helps run the industry, the FSGA. I made it to the finals in the first ever fantasy uh, football, and I was playing uh, Brandon Funston. It was either Funston or Charchin, and the other person was the commissioner. Uh, I want to say it was Funston, the commissioner, and I was playing Charch because we were probably using ESPN software at the time, which is who we worked for. Well, what have we talked about tonight that we don't or do like the tiebreaker? And Eddie bringing up, you know, maybe you give this a reward. They had no tiebreaker system. It was a championship <laughs> game. And I tied with, what again, I charged for Funston. And I was deemed the champion through the process of a boop, coin flip. <laughs> so people, my lesson to you newbies, Always make sure you have a rule in there that can cover what you're not thinking about. But since you're not thinking about it, you probably won't cover it. Anyway, let us move on. So Eddie uh, brought this topic up uh, uh, three, three, about three weeks ago, right, Eddie, in terms of we, we should be talking about the MVP. And we started talking about that. And we all have opinions, as we can see tonight. And I just thought Eddie would be fun to throw these people's opinions in there uh, uh, along with ours. Uh, so let's. Here's some of the candidates, Dak, Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, and Tyreek Hill, and, and a couple of other lessers. But Eddie, I want you to start it off. Who do you think is leading in the MVP? Why? And let's open that up to the audience. What do you think? I think it's, it's a two-man race right now, honestly. And I think it's down to Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. I mean, they're the two that are playing the best at the quarterback position for two dominating teams in the NFC. Uh, they both are very efficient. Dak Prescott is is playing at, at an elite level. We haven't seen him play like this, not consistently like this, because he has shown flashes of brilliance. Um, so I, in, in my opinion, I think it's a two-man race. It's between Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. And, and this is the word of attrition. You know, who, whoever is left standing at the end, right? Because if one of them gets injured, you know, and the other ones keep playing, then that person gets the advantage. But uh, if they both stay uh, healthy, I, I, I would give the nod to Brock Purdy. But, you know, I think that the league would probably give it to Dak Prescott just because, you know, Dallas Cowboys, so, America's team, you know, that kind so of thing. So Eddie gives the nod to uh, uh, Purdy. Greg, do you agree or disagree? And who would you give the nod to? Well, first of all, I think it's a four-man race. It's not really <laughs> supposed to be the Davey O'Brien Award. It's, you know... It, it is, it, it's the MVP. Purdy is definitely having an MVP season. I think you're right, Dak Prescott is playing well. I also think Jalen Hurts is playing well on a team that's performing well. The fourth is McCaffrey. There's not a better running back all-round player in the league than Christian McCaffrey. The problem is, I think McCaffrey takes away votes that Purdy would otherwise get. I, I would say Purdy should get it but I think it's going to be Dak Prescott that gets it because of the split between McCaffrey and Purdy. Big John. So it'll be probably, Teddy's point, it'll be whoever's left standing, Purdy or Prescott, but I would argue the MVP is Tyreek Hill. Um, Hill, now he got injured uh, mm -hmm. Monday night. Uh, hopefully they, they don't know if he'll come back or not, but when he left the game, 
you saw what the Dolphin offense became. Became very average. Became very – the Titans could keep them in check. Held them to like 10 points offensively. So I don't I don't see a reason why Hill shouldn't be the MVP. And if he manages to hit 2,000 yards receiving, which has never been done before, I think he should definitely get the MVP. And I mean not just MVP – so there's always two people, right? There's the people who say, well, MVP is most valuable to their team while performing well. Yeah. And I think that eliminates McCaffrey to some extent, because if you took McCaffrey off the Niners, there's still a powerhouse squad between Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Purdy, right? There's offensively, at least, there's still a very, very powerful team. Uh, I think uh, Prescott's doing well. I still, I'm still waiting for the four interception game uh, when the pressure's on at the end of the season. I, I, he hasn't convinced me that he won't do it. I think Hurts is... Yeah, Lions. <laughs> yeah. And the Lions also have a lot of uh, fine players, but they're they've had too many games. They've lost two games that they should have won. So nobody's going to get them. I honestly would give my vote to Tyreek Hill. So if I was still in the pro writer football writers association, my my vote would definitely go to Tyreek Hill, unless like he's out for the rest of the season or they're going to shelve him. But assuming right. he plays, I think I think he's uh, he's the MVP. And if he gets two thousand, he's definitely the MVP. You know, I, I think John's absolutely correct. Uh, whether I want him or not, if he got 2,000 yards, Tyreek Hill, that's never been done. I don't care how great a season somebody else. That's the equivalent. That's not the equivalent, but a close analogy is, you know, the two-way start there now with the Dodgers, you know. So uh, I, having said that, I, look, I think the MVP is who's most valuable to the league. I think the Cowboys are America's team. I think Dak Prescott needed. He had to have that game against the Eagles because it didn't matter who was saying Dak, MVP, Dak MVP. Come that ballot day, every sports writer would look back at every big game he couldn't win. So he needed that big win. Uh, I think it's Purdy's, and here's why. Everybody talks about the system. Oh, he's just in the system. He's just in the system. You know, uh, after Steve Young left the Niners, they struggled to find a quarterback for that system. Jeff Garcia had limited success, and then uh, 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 came that poor guy. Uh, he was he looked like a robot, chiseled guy, uh, Eddie. I can't remember his name, but I mean, it, it, there's so many scenarios you can look at where it's a system. Uh, when 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 Warren Moon uh, left the Oilers, it was a system that Cody Carson was ready to inherit and break through. What happened with uh, once Bradshaw left the Steelers? You know, Roger Staubach. You know, well, actually, Danny White did a damn good job, but Danny it wasn't Danny White's fault that the team was about 50 years old when he got it. But y'all see what I'm saying? So when people sit there and say, "Hey, Brock Purdy's in the system," I think that's envy and petty jealousy and and a non-worthy argument to try to deflect and put more favor on your guy and what he's done in that system and here's the other thing they forget he is only a second year player to come in off the bench code be and assume the starting position to do what he does i think it i think he's the most worthy uh but i also realize we still got four weeks you know hey, Jalen hurts could come back and, and have some monster games so uh, well, yeah, with that said every quarterback is a system quarterback. Every quarterback is in a system. Everyone. I mean, there's not a team that doesn't have a playbook, and that playbook is the system they operate it within. That's that's a lazy man's analysis to call a guy a system quarterback. What do you think, Eddie? You're a pretty guy. Do you think that's? I mean, a I, I see analogy? his point. I mean, he's. I see his point. 
I mean, I, I see what, what Greg was explaining there, but you no, know, I don't think Purdy's a system quarterback. No way. I don't either. Not at all. I mean, he's he's you, shown that. I'm sorry, Eddie. Go I, ahead. I, I cut you off. I I like, Hold on, John. Yeah. No, no, no. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. No, I was just saying that he's he's just shown that what he could do uh, on a team that's you know it's pretty stacked, but you know the you know the, the reads that he's doing. And the, I mean, he's averaging nearly 10 yards per pass and that we haven't seen that in, I don't know how long. Um, and he's able to get, you know, these, these passes in tight windows, uh, anticipate, uh, you know, uh, anticipation type of throws, you know, before the, the receiver breaks. I mean, the guy's playing very, very well at an elite level. And it's surprising he's, he's the last pick of a, of a draft a couple of years ago. It's amazing. Right. The, 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 the scouts missed this big time. It's wonderful. I love seeing it. Yeah. No, I agree with all that. And the other thing people forget is he's coming off an arm injury, <laughs> off-season right. arm injury, right? So that throw, throw that into the mix and throw in, he's the leader of a team with some pretty big superstars on them. McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo Samuel. Uh, Trent, uh, Trent Wilson. Yeah. yeah, Trent, Trent Williams. Trent Fred Williams. Warner. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like who, like I mean, those, uh, and here's this kid. He and like all the diners, not one of them has said like, "Oh, he's too meek for the huddle," or "He's not a locker room leader." Like that, you you can't underestimate that because look, this whole off season. Well, look, I had I drafted uh, Dak Prescott in all, almost all my fantasy leagues. I had him cut by the fourth week because I thought it was going to be another Dak typical Dak season, right? Nobody, nobody in San Francisco, as far as I know, has had any doubts that Purdy was the man if his arm uh, was healthy. So I think people are underestimating that for Mr. Irrelevant to come in and get that respect in the huddle when he had a first round pick that the franchise had invested, what, three, three trading up uh, uh, and gave a boatload of picks to acquire to be Mr. Irrelevant, take over that team. Uh, yeah, take over that team. Trey Lance is now on the Cowboys. They had to jettison him. They got rid of Garoppolo. Imagine the confidence this kid instilled in the organization and his teammates. So as far as I'm concerned, he's totally worthy of the MVP. I just happen to think that Tyreek Hill's having a better season and means more to his team as an individual. That's why I wouldn't vote for Purdy. But if I he did disagree. win, I would have zero objections. Yeah, I would have I, zero I, objections to it. I disagree, and here's why. Uh, I'll move to another question, but we have all forgotten the obvious, the championship game last year. When answering your question, what each player means to their team, we know what Purdy means to that team. How did that NFC championship game go for the 49ers? Was it like, like 35 to 7 or something like that? I'm being serious. Yeah, so but how – but William, they ha- but William, they had no quarterbacks. That's different. <laughs> like they didn't have a quarterback to play the position. So when so that's, I get, that's oh, hold on, hold on. Like I get had, that. No, uh, you know. I get that. I get that. But but I can turn around and simply say, well, we haven't seen Tyreek Ty- Hill miss two quarters. But I get what you're saying, and I agree. I mean, we could drag it out. The point is, is we saw in action the difference with Brock Purdy, and you're right. A little extreme, but still, it wasn't even a contest. It wasn't even so. Uh, to me, that alone uh, uh, changes the whole scheme. But it's still too early. So, real quick, uh, Greg already mentioned it. My next question, and John mentioned it off the bat, was going to be, what do you think of these secondary players being given consideration? Obviously, uh, t- uh, uh, John and I agree, Tyreek Hill, 
Greg brought up Christian McCaffrey. How many of you think Micah Parsons for the Cowboys should be given any consideration? Uh, Big John, you first. No, he'll win, you know, like guys like that. Defensive players just don't win the overall MVP, whether it's an unwritten rule or not, whether it's fair or not. uh, They'll win defense. You know, they have defensive player uh, of the year. Uh, they also have like offensive player of the year, which is generally wh- whoever the second best came in second for MVP, I guess. Uh, but no, I don't think Micah Parsons gets gotcha. MVP consideration. Gotcha. He's he, he's awesome. He's awesome. Don't get me wrong. He, he might he might have to win defensive player of the year. But uh, I, w- I wouldn't say he, he some Dallas writers like Skip Bayless will give him a vote for MVP probably. But that's about it. Uh, Greg, what do you Didn't, think? Uh... Didn't uh, there have been defensive players that have won MVP? I, and, I don't remember. Yeah. If De- I don't remember if Dion did, but Lawrence Taylor must have won MVP at least one year. I mean, I, I, seriously, I, I don't remember. But if it was Lawrence Taylor, you're talking 40 years ago, Greg. So right, it, it my, just goes to prove the point. The game's changed. It's just so offensive minded, right? It's the writers. It's you're the right. Greg, yeah. that have changed. Greg, Greg have is changed, correct, but. But I think he should get consideration. I don't think he'll win. Right. And right I think yeah, Micah yeah. Parsons should get consideration. Eddie, yeah. Eddie, what do you think? A, and before you answer, fan, I'd, like, I'd love to. <laughs> Eddie. Sorry. Uh, 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 no, that's okay. Uh, what are your thoughts? But before you answer, just to let you know, Micah Parsons is one of those guys that says Purdy's a system quarterback and anybody can do what he does. Just to let you know. Now, would you vote for Micah Parsons? <laughs> so let me tell you this, that uh, usually the MVP usually goes to the, the best quarterback on the best team or the team or the quarterback on the best team usually, right? Because you're usually the most important player uh, on that team. But I, I would say that other positions have a chance if they do something that hasn't been done before. Like you're saying, Tyree Kill hasn't done. That's never, we've never seen a 2000, you know, uh, yard receiver ever, right? They have to do something astronomical like that. Running back, same thing, 2000 or 2000, or breaking Eric Dickinson's record, you know, 2100 or 2200, right? Or somebody who has like, let's just say like a, a defensive uh, player, if they like surpass maybe like the 26 to 27 sack, you know, total, something like that, I think would probably get garnered the attention to get MVP. But unless something like that happens, it's always more than likely going to go to a quarterback. Right. And, and and you guys would have the same answers for Miles Garrett. But real quick, the answer uh, to address the point about the defensive player, you're both are right. Greg's right. And yes, they have one. And John's right with like, yeah, you're going to have to go back to, you know, uh, uh, and he's right. So Lawrence Taylor did win in 1986, but an honorable man won in 1971. Nobody picked up on the clue. Honorable. Alan Page. I believe Alan Page ended up becoming a judge. One of those Vikings players. Yes, he did. did. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So, so the honorable Alan Page. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 He was yeah, he, he was a defensive tackle. He was a defensive tackle. And, you know, so, yeah, you both are right. I, uh, I agree with all your assessment. Uh, the MVP and those awards, I really don't look at them too heavily, but they're very prestigious for the players indeed. And with that, this is the final question, and it's getting late, but I have to ask this question. We are all fantasy sports veterans. I want each of you uh, to tell me just one short snippet of 
you know, you always remember the good, something funny or whatever. It doesn't have to be impactful, just a moment that you wouldn't mind sharing. Uh, uh, and I know that's kind of out of the blue. So start twirling the minds. We'll start with John. Uh, a, a moment that sticks out in terms of what, William? You. That, well, that what, relates what was the, the question? Industry. A moment, a moment oh, in your fantasy. early fantasy, yeah. Uh, and, moment and no in women, my early no fantasy. Women. No, okay, okay. So nice. hold on a second. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I got to tell you, like in the early days of uh, gridiron grumblings, you know, when and and this is when we all started to put the industry together. Um, I remember that, uh, and this is funny. It's not for anything that happened. It just goes to show you how life is weird sometimes. Uh, gridiron grumblings was in line to become a partner with CBS Sports. And it would have been to run there at the time, commissioner.com game. So it was like really good uh, negotiations or something like that. And this is 1996, I believe. So early on. So when I got some information back and forth, I emailed uh, my partners uh, saying, hey, this is going to happen. But, you know, in terms of the negotiations, they're they're not coming quite to the number we want, but we're, but I'm still negotiating. And one of my partners replied to my email very tersely and said, tell them to stop being cheap and to just give us what we deserve. But he accidentally, don't ask me how, included CBS in that response. And within 10 seconds, I just got an email saying, well, if so-and-so, your partner feels that way, uh, tell them to go somewhere else to get that deal. And the deal was killed on the spot. Which, looking back now, that probably was the difference between uh, sports grumblings the way it turned out, which was fine, or sports grumblings becoming like a seven-figure business. You know, so uh, it it killed me to this day. Like, that's the only regret I have in the fantasy industry was like, and again, 1996, people weren't as used to working in email and the internet and everything. But uh, so I can look back at that and laugh now a little bit. Uh, but wow. yeah, that's the one that stands out in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, that's kind of tough to top. You got something? Well, well, I mean, you probably already know what I'm going to bring up. There's, there's two actually, but I'll make them short and sweet because I know we're running out of time. So um, for those of you who know about Stefania Bell, uh, Stefania mm-hmm. Bell is where she's at because of my efforts to get her where she's at right now. It started out with uh, William taking, you know, doing, a, you know, taking her on as a writer uh, with KFFL. And then it went to Rotowire through my efforts and talking to Peter Shanky, who I introduced Stefania to. She had a radio show with Chris Liss. And then I introduced the whole concept to Matthew Barry, uh, you know, at, at ESPN about you know, hiring uh, Stefania because he was looking for female talent. And I told him about her and uh, he asked me to get her resume. And I did. And the rest is history. So she got that job primarily through my efforts. So that's number one. Uh, number two is uh, Kit. It's a fantasy draft board company. My brother-in-law started the company and asked me to help him out and trying to grow the business. And I actually pursued this because, you know, I, I'm in sales. I've been doing sales for a long time. I'm a salesperson in Silicon Valley. I went out and just 
uh, try to sell it to companies to, to, to adopt their, the draft board uh, as a business for themselves. And I actually was able to attain ESPN as an account for Comiskit, and that helped spurn uh, Comiskit to where it's at today. And now my brother-in-law does that 100% of, uh, that's his job 100% of the time. He only works like five months of the year, and that's all he does. Wow. So those are my that's two proudest cool. moments. That, hey, hey Eddie, cool. so you're the one. So, Eddie, you're the one I have to blame for taking Stefania Bell away from me. Because oh, really? the, the year she signed with, uh, with Barry and uh, ESPN, she had agreed to come to Sports Grumblings to write for us, you know. And, no way. I didn't and, know. Yeah. And then I think, I think that same night, because we were out in Vegas when that happened at the convention, that same night she came to me and she said, I'm really sorry, but I have to back out. You know, I have an offer from ESPN, you know, or something to that. No effect. way. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, so you're the one. You're the one. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's a, you know, I, how I know Stefania is because her former husband was a teammate of mine in high school in both baseball oh. and in football. So we both played baseball and football together. And I had not seen him. We saw, we ran, I ran into him years later. Actually, in 2001 is when I saw him on a cruise, and that's when I met Stefania. So that's how we, we got connected, and then we started hanging out, and, you know, we, we started Fantasy Football League, or they did, and then I was part of their Fantasy Football League, and then, you know, the rest is history. Small world, man. Small world. <laughs> hey, Greg, I'm going to yep. go because I want you to end it with your story. So mine is uh, it was by accident that I got into fantasy football. I was just walking by, and there are a group of guys I work with, and they all just kind of stopped and stared at me. The classic, we just lost a body. We need another one. What about Del Pilar? And that's how they asked me to play. That afternoon, I went out. I, I got, I got a, 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 oh my God, I'm drawing, Emil Cadlick's magazine, his pro football forecast. And I got Greg, Greg, uh, 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 Krause, Krause guy. What's Greg's last? Greg Ambrosius's magazine. He was a managing editor, fantasy sports. And that got me going. But the reason I knew I could do this was when I went into the computer lab, going to college because, you know, laptops were about you know, three, four or five thousand dollars back then a pop, you know. And uh, so I'm on the the uh, the computer lab on the computer. And then I discovered this thing called Netscape, the browser. And then I discovered the Flash Report and a few others. Uh, and there was a fax service that I had just signed up for now. And I, after a, a week or so, I'm like, I can do this better. Man, I could do this so much better. And that's when I, I discovered uh, uh, Gridiron Grumbly's in the sports lab. And this is, I swear to God, I'm not blowing any hot air. I was like, he was the first one that I was like, I didn't think I could do that better. I was like, oh, wow, he's got a radio show, you know, on here, you know. And, uh, 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 and I'm not going to say who the two factors were that really made me think I could do this. And it all worked out. You know, I guess my uh, a proud moment I have is knowing the fact that our website was at one time ranked in the top 2000 of the world, you know, so we were putting some juice out and we went from a $500 a month uh, ISP bill because they locked us into a contract for five years to once the day that contract ended, our next bill was like 12,000 for bandwidth. I was never more scared in my life. And Greg, you can close it out. I mean, I'll do goodbyes for the show, but close it out with a great story. What's one of your fondest memories? Well, this last expo. Um, I've been doing this since 1986, professionally since 1994. And guys like John and William, I've known. I don't know you, Eddie, but I'm pleased to meet you. But you make Same friends here. in this industry like no other. There are good and bad people in 
every field of life, they don't last in fantasy football if they're bad because they'll get a reputation and people will leave them behind. I'd be on the phone till three in the morning after working a 10 hour day at work to Bob Harris. Bob would take my call every time and we would just talk. I learned everything I know about fantasy football from Bob Harris. Scott Engel at the Fantasy Expo came up to me and shouted to the crowd, here's Greg Kellogg, he's an OG. I thought everybody had forgotten me because it had been five years. It had been five years. The, the friends you make in this industry are what will stay with me the rest of my life. And I got to tell you, man, woman, child, this hobby is for everybody. They're, they're great, great. I had, uh, uh, what's the kid's name? Brown uh, from Football Guys. Young kids, 16 years old, I think. Um, on my show, I have Bob Bob Long, who puts on the Expo every year, on my show last week. This week, I got Gary Davenport, who knows as much about IDP as anybody does. And I'm going to make the announcement here. I haven't made it anywhere else. We're bringing in Scott Fish, because back in the day, Gary Davenport and I did a podcast, and Scott was our guest on one of the shows. Oh. So we're going to surprise Gary with Scott Fish. Nobody else knows except Scott and I. Shh, keep it a secret, that's, everyone. That's right. <laughs> anyway, guys, I, it's a pleasure, William. Thank you for inviting me. And you're welcome. Greg, it was a pleasure having you. John, it was good to see you back on Points on the Board. And to everybody else you've been listening to Points on the Board, don't forget to visit grumblingsmedia.com for articles and other podcasts. Please share. That's how we'll grow. And you can, again, Grumblings Media, but also YouTube and Rubble under the profile name Grumblings Media and Apple, Google, Spotify, and Pandora. And for my co-host, Eddie Aparicio, this is William Del Pilar. You've been listening to Points on the Board. Good night, everyone.